Hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 215. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, this week, we are backing up to look at the big picture of our reading lives and doing something a little bit different. Last week, I mentioned that we just released the 2020 Modern Mrs. Darcy Reading Challenge. This is a set of tools and tried and true tips for having your best reading year yet. Along with the Reading Challenge category list, I'll also send you my principal reading journal when you sign up. As you'll hear in today's episode, I strongly believe in tracking your reading. There are lots of ideas on how to do that in this episode, but if you want to stick to paper and want an easy way to get started, this printable reading journal is perfect for you because it's so flexible. Print out as many pages of each layout as you need and then paste them into a journal, three-hole punch them for a binder, or have it all bound at your local copy store. The Reading Challenge category list is in the same format, so however you use your journal, the Reading Challenge will fit right in. Go to modernmrsdarcy.com slash challenge to learn more about how to have your best reading year yet and to sign up to get both the challenge kit and the reading journal delivered by email. That's modernmrsdarcy.com slash challenge, and I've linked to it in the show notes so you can click there directly from your podcast app. Today, we're revisiting a topic near and dear to our hearts here at What Should I Read Next headquarters and one that is perfect for this time of year when the best of lists start rolling out and everyone is gearing up for a new calendar year of reading. I talked to 15 different readers about how they track their books and hope their perspectives will give you some new ideas to start your 2020 reading year strong. Some readers even provided photos of their methods and you can see them in the show notes on the podcast site at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 215. You'll also find a transcript of the episode if reading along or referring back to a written version is helpful for you. Readers, we've been providing transcripts of the show for about a year now. If transcripts would be helpful to you or a friend, you can always find them in each episode's show notes at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com. But let's get to tracking. We have a lot to cover, starting with the more common methods like Goodreads, then moving on to the more inventive and unusual. I use several of these methods we talk about here, including my analog journal and Goodreads. If you want to follow along at Goodreads, you can connect with me by going to modernmrsdarcy.com slash Goodreads. That'll take you directly to my Goodreads account where you can just hit follow. Now let's get to it. First up, I'm talking to Brienne about how she uses Goodreads. Okay, so Brienne, like a lot of readers, you use Goodreads to track your books, but I think you use a lot of tools that many readers don't know about. I certainly didn't for the first couple of years I used Goodreads. Will you tell us about what you do? Yes, they have a website and they have an app as well, which I use the app mostly now that I have a smartphone. They have a reading challenge for the year. You can set a goal and that's what I like to do because I love that I can see it every time I go into the app. Every time I finish a book, I can go and look at my reading challenge to see how I've progressed and it shows, you know, what percentage of your goal you have reached, you know, and I love that. So I can see if I'm ahead of schedule or behind schedule and I love being able to go and see my friends reading challenges as well. So at the end of the year, they always kind of give you what your reading looks like for the past year. And I just love that visual. You know, they give you a little icon that shows, you know, you completed your reading challenge and that's outside encouragement. It's good for me. That's totally my personality. It's very visual. I love that it shows, you know, this was the longest book you read this year. 
you finished this many pages. It shows you the shortest book that you read. It shows you the longest book that you read. What was the highest rated book on Goodreads? And what was your highest rated book? Things like that. And Mm -hmm. so I love seeing that visual at the end of the year. It just encourages me to keep going. And I enjoy seeing that. So that sounds good. Now, Goodreads does their challenge by numbers, right? They're talking about a numeric goal to hit for number of books read in a year. Yes. Yes. Okay. What was yours? For 2016, my goal was 65 books. Oh, wow. And did you hit it? I did. I exceeded it. I read 84 books last year. So I definitely went over. Yeah, that was it was a big reading year for me. I've toned it down. My goal for this year is only 70 books. I know I can read more than that, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to go more for quality rather than quantity this year. So I'm being a little bit more deliberate about my choices. I mean, last year, I read a ton of library reader choice books, which sometimes that's great. But I did it under the promise of receiving this handmade bag from a librarian. And it ended up being, you know, a dollar reusable bag. Oh, sad. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? But I mean, it was good. But those books aren't always maybe books that I would read, which can be good. And I did find some gems in there. But at the same time, I feel like then I read a ton of books that maybe aren't up to the standard I normally would. And then I kind of get sidetracked. So I'm trying to be more deliberate this year. So that's why my goal for this year is only 70. But last year I exceeded my goal. And that was a lot of fun to see that, that external motivation Mm -hmm. of this computer program, Mm -hmm. seeing like, oh, I read this many books. I'm 129% over my goal. Like, it's ridiculous that that makes me happy, but it really does. So in that case, I'm glad you've learned to work with it. Plenty of you wrote in to tell us about your experience with Goodreads, and it seems to be a true Goldilocks situation. Some of you thought the book data Goodreads compiles was just right, like Brianne did. But for others, it was too little or even too much. Here's an email from listener Susan about what she wanted from the Goodreads challenge and where else she looked for tracking help when it didn't quite measure up to her expectations. She writes, last year in January, I started tracking all the books I read on Goodreads so I could have the end of the year stats done for me, of course. I have to admit that I was a little disappointed with the the end-of-the-year report. I thought there were going to be more categories on the pie chart. Showing my true geeky colors here. It seems that some of the more elaborate pie charts I've seen are done by people with more computer knowledge than I have, and more than I'm willing to learn. This summer, I added yet another way to track my reading to the mix, the MMD Reading Journal. I've been experimenting in there with more fun ways to track my reading, like drawing bookshelves and labeling the books as I read them. Even for someone with zero artistic talent, Rectangles of varying heights and widths are fairly easy to draw. So yes, I track my reading in as many ways as possible. After all, next to reading, what's more fun than making book lists and tracking reading records? Readers, Susan is talking about that Modern Mrs. Darcy reading journal that you'll get when you sign up for the challenge at modernmrsdarcy.com slash challenge. Next up, we have Jill explaining how she uses Goodreads for more than yearly goal setting. In her email, she explains how she uses Goodreads in tandem with a purchasing wish list to organize her to-be-read and to keep it private. She writes, I use Goodreads to keep track of what I've read, but I keep the list of what I'd like to read and potential TBRs in a few different Amazon wish lists. I have a list for work, a list for personal, a list for parenting books, and a list for books that might be good for each of my kids. I keep it on Amazon as I don't like the idea of all my Goodreads friends knowing what I'm thinking about reading, probably the upholder in me. I don't want to be accountable in public if I don't get to something. Jill, we get that. Now let's hear from Leslie, who also uses Goodreads in combination with other tools to plan and catalog her reading year. It kind of started with something funny, but my sister and I print our own 
annual calendars that we use. Uh-huh. Um, we developed our own layout and just got them printed at a local printer. This past year, we do in August to August because we like the school year format. And we print ourselves plenty of notepapers in the back, maybe 75 to 100 pages of extra paper. While I can't depart from my weekly layout for a full-on bullet journal, I have started utilizing the back pages to track my reading in a bullet journal style just to kind of get used to the format and learn how to do it. And it's been a good entry point for me. Nice. So this is like a planner, not like a calendar that goes on your kitchen wall. Correct. A spiral bound planner. In addition to that, I really love the Goodreads app because I do a lot of probably 90% of my reading on Kindle, the library's Kindle catalog. It syncs so effortlessly between Kindle and Goodreads to be able to track, you know, when I finish a book, you can rate it right then. I have my Amazon app and my Goodreads app right next to each other in the library's OverDrive app. So I just kind of utilize all three of them right there together. I can kind of geek out between my Kindle app, Goodreads app, Amazon, OverDrive, and your Kindle deals. In these apps and with your bullet journal, Mm -hmm. what's the most Mm -hmm. important information you want to remember about each book? I'm assuming title, author, dates. Yes. I really only rate it on Goodreads. And then for some reason, I do like to keep track of books that I've abandoned Mm -hmm. also in my bullet journal. This probably is meaningful, but um, the only books I've really abandoned in the last year are audiobooks that didn't work for me. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have any other collections in your bullet journal besides the books you abandoned? Books I want to read, and it's so satisfying to cross them out. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Writing things down. As much as I love my apps, I still love to use a pen and paper and record things and cross them out. And a lot of people really relate to that. Myself included. Our next listener, Rachel also relies on Goodreads, but as you'll hear, she uses another digital tool that not many of you mentioned. You said that you tracked everything you read, everything you want to read and everything you abandoned. I personally don't like to track what I've abandoned in Goodreads because it counts it. I'm just not satisfied with the way they count it as a book. So I want to know if you know a trick I don't, or if you've just made your peace with the fact that Goodreads will show that forever is something that you have pending. So what I did was I made sure that I removed it from my list of read books Mm -hmm. and I created its own category. So I have a category that I have just labeled as abandoned. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Usually then I'll plug in like some little notes for myself, you know, abandoned at page 100 or, you know, something like that. So I track um, things that I have no intention of going back to (laughs) for whatever reason. But then I also have another category that I've created um, that I call to finish later. So if I think that I like the book, but maybe it's not the right time for me to read it or maybe my library hold stack just came in. Maybe I'll set that aside for a little bit. So I do track those things separately. There are just so many good books. And I think I've just come to understand that there's certain books I'm just not going to get into. And life goes on. And life goes on. (laughs) I'm especially curious about library thing, something a lot of readers have heard a lot about and not that many readers actually use. So can you tell us a little bit about what it is and how you use it? Right. So library thing, it's similar to Goodreads, but there's no social aspect. So you're not connected to other people. Um, But primarily what it is, is it's just a way for you to catalog your books. So you can 
have collections of books so you can um, take all of your books and just dump them in or you can sort them into different um, categories if you want to know by genre or by author um, you can do that they do have um, different categories so if you want to track like currently reading or to read you can do that um, but primarily what I do is um, we actually moved last August and so it seemed like a really good time while I was packing my books to go ahead and maybe catalog all of them so you're able to scan your barcodes it'll just tally them all up for you and they have a really cool cover view so when you click on your library you can just see the covers of all of the different books that you own. So I've kept track of all of the physical copies of books that I have um, because maybe like a lot of book readers, I like to go to book sales and I'm really into picking up used books. Uh -huh. So a lot of times I'll be staying there going, do I own this book or not? So I always keep my library thing open to see, make sure I don't um, maybe buy something I already have. And then I also created a separate category that I labeled eBooks. So I keep track of eBooks that I have going as well. What other categories do you have on library thing? Those are really the only ones that I use. It's pre-populated with a wish list and currently reading, to read, read but unowned, and favorite. So I don't really track my reading through library thing. I just like to keep it as a way to track how many books I have and which ones. Do you know how many books are in your personal collection then? Do you have them all folded in? I do. So anytime my my books come in the mail, I'm always scanning first thing. Um, so as of today, I have 400. I have no idea how many I have. I wonder <laughs> if a lot of readers do. I don't have a feel for what a certain number of books looks like on a shelf. How interesting. Okay, I have a question. Did it actually turn out to be a good idea to do that during your move? I couldn't tell if you were uh, gently chiding yourself on your lofty goals or not. I actually thought it was fun. Um, in fact, my five-year-old was holding my phone and I was just putting the books under the scanner and we just got into a rhythm. So it was actually fun. In compiling this episode, I learned just how many of you love, I mean, really love your spreadsheets. Here's an email from listener Allison about that. She writes, I keep an Excel spreadsheet with a tab for each year. For each year, I record every book that I've read. I keep the title and author and page number. I keep a tally of the page numbers for the year so that by December 31st, I have not only a record of the number of books I've read, but also the number of pages. Other items that I've recorded with varying degrees of success throughout the years include star reviews, dates completed, and number of days it took to read the book. I'm not successful with recording these extra things each year, but when I have them, they are fun to look back on. Something I started doing this year is I kept a second list just below my main list on the same spreadsheet of books I abandoned. I put the title, then put not for me or not now. I like this because not only does it help me remember what I've attempted, but it helps me remember why. And also it helps my uber organized brain remember why there are gaps in the dates on my master spreadsheet of completed books. I've been doing this since 2011. I love being able to look back on past years to see what I've read, compare reading patterns and progress, and see how I've grown as a reader. My heart was warmed by how many of you feel most at home with an old-fashioned pencil and paper. I was impressed by how many listeners applied multimedia tracking systems to your reading life, combining digital platforms with analog methods. So many of you said that both were absolutely essential to your reading life. Here's Donna talking about how she mixes digital and analog. I was so intrigued by your spreadsheet method. Can you tell us how you track your books? 
Sure. Yes. I track my books in Excel. You know, I used to just have, you know, very straightforward list, which was sorted by author, kind of nothing special to it. A couple of years ago, I changed it. I was talking to a friend of mine. I was recommending a book to her, you know, as like really laying it on thick and telling her how much I love this book and love this author. And she finally turns to me and says, I know I would love that book because I recommended it to you. So <laughs> I, I know I was completely mortified. And it just sort of sparked a thought in my head that I would change my tracking to be by the source of where I had heard about the book. So I started off just doing it by friends so that I would not go through an embarrassing moment like that again. And then I've added to it. Obviously, I have a category in there for your podcast, something like the New York Times best of list at the end of the year, different sources that I actually hear about the book from the beginning. How do you actually break those down on your spreadsheet? Is it categorized by source or do you just have a column that says where you heard about it? Uh, at the top of the column, I will list what the source is. Literally, it'll say something like from Heather or <laughs> from WSIRN. And then I just list the books uh, beneath that. I find I really like it for a couple of reasons. It actually really helps me in determining what to read next because you start to think about what am I in the mood to read? So maybe I want something that will challenge me a little bit. And I will think to look under the category of Bill Gates, who actually does some really interesting book recommendations. Or maybe I want something a little bit lighter, maybe. Uh, and then I'll look at your summer reading list, for example. So it actually, depending on my mood, helps me pick the next book. I would say the number one place I get the best recommendations are from my friends. I guess that shouldn't be surprising because they, they know me. Now, you have a way of rating the books that you complete, don't you? Well, in some ways, it's very straightforward. So I have a rating from one to five, one being amazing. I loved it. It's probably going to be one of my favorites for the year. Two, I still loved it. Three, it was okay. Four, not so much. And five is I stopped reading it. But on top of that, I actually have an email that I put out to my friends every week. I'm big on doing recommendations, uh -huh. not just on books. I do it on movies. I do health tips or whatever I, whatever I feel like I want to pass along. So the ratings actually help me with that. If I have a rating of a one, then for sure it's going in that weekly email. And then I can just put a check mark next to it once I've actually made the recommendation. How rare are the one and five star ratings? A one star, very rare. I would say typically two or three in a year. And the five where I stop reading, actually, I would say that used to be rare. And as I get older, I become more ruthless. <laughs> and <laughs> there's, it seems like there are more and more uh, that I put on the five list. That conversation with Donna was recorded a couple of years ago, but now in 2019, Donna's deep love for Excel is put to more bookish use here at What Should I Read Next headquarters. Donna works on special projects with me and my producer, Brenna. Most recently, crunching numbers for fun and nerdy, or, you know, in other words, totally amazing bonus materials for our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what should I read next. If you're in that community, you know what I'm talking about.
So big thanks to Donna for bringing her spreadsheet savvy talents to our show. Of course, Donna isn't alone in the spreadsheet trenches. I talked to listener Margie about her love for spreadsheets and the New York Times bestseller list. So once an engineer, always an engineer. I did four years of engineering school, then spent a year starting my career, and then did four years of grad school. By the time I got through that, I had pretty much dropped reading as a hobby, which had been my favorite hobby growing up. At that point, I was working and loved to read, wanted to find a way to basically have somebody else find the books for me, which was basically the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list. I love to read about science. I love to read about history. I'm less into the celebrity memoirs that populate the list, but those trickle in there every once in a while. I started printing the lists and picking the ones off of there that caught my attention, figuring that it was a pretty easy way to find things that were at least readable, if not necessarily the most hidden or things you would love to find just walking into a bookstore in your ideal everyday world. Mm -hmm. And so being an engineer, I started keeping track of what I was reading and was kind of interested just in how long books sat on the list. Mm -hmm. I had read that for years, starting all the way back in high school. As I went into it, I kind of started reading in both directions. So it just started being a way to track how broadly I was reading. Mm -hmm. Was I reading history? Was I reading science? I love the years of the election because all of the people who want to run for office the year before the election start putting out all of these political books. Mm -hmm. It really gave me a chance to broaden what I was reading. Mm -hmm. So you said that you've read five of the top 15 books each week for about the last 20 years. That's right. That takes me back to like my junior year of high school. Oh, wow. What have you learned? That there are a thousand times as many good books out there to read as I will ever have time to read. The other thing that I find really interesting is that it's gotten a lot harder to do this in recent years. And I think that's because of the ebooks. Books don't stay on the list as long as they used to. Like if you go back and you look at, I think like 97, 98 was when this started. Mm -hmm. You would have books that would stay on the list for 100 weeks. Mm -hmm. Some of the books would stay on there for 200 weeks, which is like four years. Having a few of those on there makes it a whole lot easier because mm -hmm. for four years, you're like, oh, already read that one. Mm -hmm. There's one of my five. I think with the rise of ebooks and just the availability that you see. And then, you know, Amazon letting people see hundreds of books, you know, every time you log into their website, they're like, mm -hmm. here's something new you should read. Mm -hmm. The books turn over on the list a lot faster than they used to, too. Are you more likely to read a book that you think will camp out there for a while? I try not to just stick to the things that I know are going to be necessarily popular. Uh -huh. Lately, it feels like there's been a ton of like, 1970s, 1980s musician memoirs that have hit the list. <laughs> like you've seen Keith Richards and you've mm -hmm. seen either the hair band or the, you know, kind of the rock and roll histories. And that's just not a thing for me. So I skip those mm -hmm. and I don't make myself read anything that mm -hmm. I don't find engaging. I still wish there were more science and history books on there, but you know, to each their own. But um, I think I'll keep going as long as my drawer and my highlighter stay caught up. <laughs> Several readers shared analog methods of tracking their reading, including a few that I'd never thought of before, like this analog method from listener Caroline. Let's hear about it in her own words. Uh, one of the things that I do is use the book catalog app. Um, and that's just one kind of app that can do all of this. I've heard of other people using Book Buddy and I think library thing. This particular app is a free app uh, and you can pay the developer to help since it's a cool app, but you can... Log all of your books. You can scan them in or enter in with the ISBN number. Log all of your books. 
set up all kinds of bookshelves, which is my favorite thing. So I've got a lot of adult books and then subcategories of that. And then I have Kidlet and subcategories of that so that I can look up picture book biographies. I can look up diverse books. I can look up middle grade fiction. I can look up magical realism. And then with each book, I can make notes on it. So I can say this one's written in past tense or this one is written present tense if I'm looking for particular books like that uh-huh. or in verse. And then I also write down my favorite quotes, kind of different feelings on that. And then I also give each book a rating after I read them, which what I love about that on this app is those ratings are private. So I don't have to feel bad or feel like a certain way about Rating books, like they can be all of my honest thoughts. And then my second big thing is Goodreads. So I track all of my reads and my want to reads on Goodreads. And then I will do a lot of ratings on there, but I don't rate everything. And I'll try to do a little mini review, even if it's just a couple sentences, but uh, sometimes I don't. And then my third main method is in my one line a day journal. So I've got one of those five year one line a day journals. Mm-hmm. I will write my one or two sentences about the day. And then at the very last line on that day, I will write what I'm reading. And so I don't put a whole lot of details because I don't have a lot of room, but Mm -hmm. I do just say reading and I put the title and I put the author. And then what's cool about that, that I like so far is that I can see kind of how long it took me to go through a book. But then also what's, what I'm kind of hoping with this method over the years is that I can look back and see how events in my life lined up with a book that I was reading. And, and if that changed my perspective of that book, or if, the book I was reading actually affected my perspective of the day because certain books, you know, have especially great heart books that have a lot of magic in them. They can help you see the world in different ways. And I hope to kind of look back and see did this book change my perspective in my life for the better or maybe not. Isn't that a great idea? Now here's Liz talking about her commonplace book. When I think of a commonplace book, what I think of is just a record to keep track of all those notes and quotes and ideas you encounter in your daily life that you don't really have a place for. So you put them all together in the pages of this book. But how do you use yours? For me, I actually um, have tabs like sticky note divider tabs I got from just a bookstore. um, And I kind of divide mine up by genre of book that I'm reading. So I have fiction, I have classics, um, nonfiction, spiritual. So I divide it up like that. Some people just flat out do it day by day. That doesn't work for me. But I still write the dates when I have something. But I mean, really, when I did it, I looked at I did some looking online to see why different people, different people used it. Um, and then I decided if really great people like Thomas Jefferson, um, Virginia Woolf and Sherlock Holmes, even though he's fictional, if they used it, I certainly <laughs> figure out a way to make it work for me. I started it on a budget. I did it with all of the things I had around the house, but then I got a little more into it and I actually bought, um, it's probably just a $7 notebook on Amazon, but it's, it's really cool. It's like this vintage traveler's journal and I can um, send you some pictures of it, but it, it makes me feel kind of like I am in the olden days writing down what I'm reading. Liz, what do you keep track of in yours? I have the classics. I have fiction, spiritual and nonfiction, but then in this, I also have a section for spoken. So that could be listening to podcasts. It could even be an audiobook if I'm not exactly sure where in the book it is, or just things people have said that I really like. So I look, you know, flipping through it, I totally feel like a nerd, but I love it. (laughs) Okay. When you say you have a section for fiction, what is it you're writing down? Are you making notes on what you're reading? Are you just listing the books you read? What is it that you're recording here? 
Well, that's actually a separate book, the one of the books that I read. <laughs> oh, I have a notebook problem. Um, well, for example, I was reading a book for book club. Um, I wrote down even some stuff as far as definitions, you know, if they were defining a term that was kind of odd. But then I also write down things that really jumped and got my attention if there are things, you know, devices a writer's using. For example, this author in chapter nine, she had described someone's behind as a pumpkin shaped rear. And so I thought it was hilarious. And so I had to write it down because I was like, that is so descriptive and so funny. But then some of it are more profound things that I write down more than a pumpkin shaped rear. (laughs) (laughs) But I like it because for book club, we had, it got canceled twice because of illness and then a weather. And so even though it was, you know, two and a half months ago that I'd read the book, I was able to pull this up and have all my notes just kind of refresh my memory. Um, kind of really let the reading sink in in a bit deeper. Do you think that's just in the process of writing it down? Or do you think that's in the process of helping you remember? I think both because I know for me, I have to be highlighting or underlining when I read or study or whatnot. But I do think being able to go back and reference it, especially if it's like a nonfiction book I'm reading, like I read one on money management. So that's really helpful for when I need to, you know, not spend all my money on books. <laughs> <laughs> Deanna uses a similar written method to track her reading, but the way she does it is unlike any I've ever seen. Here's what she says. Since 2009, I have been fan-folding cardstock as a bookmark for the year. I organize the bookmark by month, and under each month, I put the book title and its rating, along with the date it was completed. Some years, I place an asterisk next to the favorite title of the month. I don't write the author's name simply because the space is small and my handwriting is large. I also utilize my journal, Goodreads, Instagram, and Litzy to keep track of the books I read throughout the year. But my bookmark method is my favorite because it's simple and to the point. There is no pressure to write more. Plus, it's great fun to look back over the years of bookmarks to see the books I've read. Readers, we have images of people's journals over on the podcast site. That's at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 215. We will link that in the show notes description of this episode, and I highly recommend you pop over and take a look. Next, I chatted with Katie, a listener whose written reading journal experience goes way back. Well, currently, as in the past year, I've been using Goodreads, and then I've been posting book reviews on my blog, which started out as monthly reviews, and then as I got into reading less often because I got busy, then it turned into more seasonal book reviews. Mm -hmm. But I'm also thinking of going back to what I did when I was in grade school and high school, and that was tracking in a notebook. And I remember very vividly, I had this notebook with Winnie the Pooh and Tigger on the cover, and it had light blue pages. Each month, I would get a page, and I would write down the title, the author, and the number of pages for each book that I read. And then at the end of the month, I would total up the number of books and the number of pages I read. And reading was pretty much my only hobby. I was a very boring kid. So (laughs) at the end of the month, I would have, you know... 29 books and thousands of pages read. And it was fun for me to track that. So then at the end of the year, I would total those all up too and see how much I had read. But I stopped doing that when I got to college because I wasn't reading as much or I was reading more for classes rather than for fun. So I let that go. And somewhere along the line, I lost my reading journals. It's really a bummer because now my oldest son is seven and he's getting almost to the point where I started Mm -hmm. keeping the journals. And I would have loved to look back and see what I enjoyed so I could recommend books to him that I think he might like. But also in the reading journals, I didn't actually write anything down about what I liked about books or any sort of star system or anything. It was just title, author and page number. 
So now I'm thinking for this year, I may do some combination of a couple things that I've done in the past and keep track of all those things, but also write down the characters in this were really well thought out, or I like this writing style or something that way I have that written down also so I can look back on it. So this year I'm going to do, I think, paper and pen because I'm a paper and pen girl, uh-huh. but I'm going to write down the title, the author, maybe even the page count like I did when I was younger. But then I'm also going to write some sort of note about what I actually enjoy or dislike about a book. So I have that to refer to. Okay. So obviously this is to provide insight on your present self to your future self to keep yes. you from rereading bad books. Although apparently you liked it the first time. Is there a motivational factor in here too? Well, I'm also hoping to increase my reading. Last year, I only read, I think, 14 books, and that was pretty low number, but I was also busy with my own projects. This year, I'm hoping to have a little bit more free time, and I figure if I can keep track of things, that'll help me see if I could maybe stop watching TV a little bit more and devote more time to reading. Or if, hey, I've already read three books this month, this is more than last year. There's some motivation there. Next, I asked Annie Jones, former guest and owner of the bookshelf in Thomasville, Georgia, about her tracking system, including why she doesn't use Goodreads. You mentioned that this year you were trying something new involving Instagram to track your books. So can you tell us about that? Because I'm sure for a lot of readers, this is going to be quick, easy, and it'll allow them to get something extra, which is tracking their books out of something they're already doing, which is social media. Yeah, I think that was really where the idea came from. I have a lot of customers and fellow readers and friends who are constantly asking, oh, do you have a Goodreads account? And I don't have a Goodreads account. And part of that is, yes, I own an independent bookstore, so it's hard to buy into like an Amazon thing. But also, purely selfishly, I cannot keep up with like one more social media thing. Like I, I cannot. And so as I was kind of thinking about a way to track my books, I always in my planner record the books I've read for the month because I carry my planner everywhere. So that's like an easy for me way to keep track. But I know I have friends who want to know what I'm reading. And I thought, Hey, I feel like I get some of my best recommendations on Instagram, just from fellow readers posting about the book they read and they loved. So why can't I do that? And so it's a new thing I'm trying this year. I have my own little hashtag I created um, and ranking books like on a five star scale, just posting pictures of the books I read and just a very brief little review and a rating. And we're going to see how it works. I am curious how this works for me when I read a book I don't like. Will be like I don't quite know how that's going to work yet. I am going to post about it, but I want to be careful and conscientious and respectful of authors. But I do try to be honest in my reviews. And yeah, I'm posting as I finish a book. I post a picture. It's super easy. And it just, again, I did not want to have to keep up with one other thing. And I'm already on Instagram. So I felt like this made sense. How many books do you think you read a month? I'm going to say I read six to 10 books a month until November and December when I read closer to four. So, so that is the full truth. I think you were probably busier than an accountant at tax time. You're reading like an average American for the month of December. That sounds okay. Yeah, I did read. Oh, it was a very depressing statistic about how many books Americans read in a year. And it made me feel good on the one hand because I was like, whoa, I am, I am doing way better than that. But then it also made me very depressed, like, oh no, my job is not done. On this <laughs> As a professional <laughs> book person. 
so yeah, I think this will be, I think it'll be fun because this is how I get so many recommendations because I don't have a lot of time anymore. This is so sad, but like to read blogs, but I am on Instagram. Like I'm on Instagram, both for the bookshelf and personally, and I follow publishers and I follow sales reps, but I also follow you, Jamie Golden from the podcast. And like, I just feel like I get really great recommendations on Instagram all the time. And now maybe I get to contribute to that. Now here's my conversation with Kathy, who shares how she uses a popular social media platform to track her books. I started tracking my reading in 2006 when I, for the first time that I can remember, set a reading goal that I wanted to read 52 books that year. So to track that, I kept a numbered list in a journal where I recorded the month title and author of the book. And then at the end of the year, I was able to easily see how many books that I had read, which was more than 52. And I've continued to keep that journal since. So I guess I'm coming up on 11 years now of using that book to track my titles for the year. Was it the reading goal itself that inspired you to start? I think so. I mean, I've always been a reader, but for whatever reason that year, I don't know if I was thinking I just wanted to set, you know, goals and resolutions or something, but I'm like, oh, well, I should read at least a book a week. So that's kind of always been in the back of my mind that that should be my minimum goal. And I've far exceeded that some years and a few years fallen a little short, but um, it's just a nice way to keep that list that I can easily, did I read that book? You know, go back Mm -hmm. and see. Kathy, I don't number the books in my journal. I, I wish I did, but the reason I don't is because I tend to start a lot of books that I don't end up finishing. And that's why I don't number them, but it would be so great to have them numbered. But I know half the listeners are thinking, this is so nitpicky. And half the listeners are thinking, yes, exactly. That's my problem. (laughs) Do you always finish the books you start or how do you deal with them if you don't? Well, I mean, in recent years, I've only now started to not finish books that I don't enjoy. And it's really, if I'm not very far into it and it's just not pulling me in, then I will stop. But for the most part, I do finish the books that I read. I only have two that I've read more than half that I just could not finish. But I I am doing better about abandoning books. But for the most part, even if it's not great, I feel there's something I'm pulling from it. So I do try to finish them. So if you can only think of two that you haven't finished lately, that, that isn't really throwing off your numbers? No, I mean, typically, too, I would say that if it's a book I borrowed from the library and it's not really pulling my interest, I'm more likely to give it up. Whereas if it's something that I paid for, I have that extra element of like, okay, I spent $20. I need to read this. Mm -hmm. So that is something that factors in a little bit, too. So if you do quit on a book, does it keep its number in the journal or do you strike it through? What do you do? No, I I don't write the books in the journal till I've actually finished reading them. Okay. So yeah, they don't make it to the journal if they are not finished. Okay. I like it. Now, you were also the only reader who replied saying that you used Pinterest to keep track of your books. Can you tell us a little bit about your system? Well, since I use Goodreads, but I don't like Goodreads to show books that I want to read because that would change my overall like book number on there, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I look at Goodreads, I want it to show just books that I've read. Uh-huh. So to do my TBR board, um, I created a board on Pinterest, which is just simply to read. And if I'm listening to a podcast or I'm reading reviews online and something sounds interesting to me, I can very easily go onto Pinterest and nine times out of 10, somebody else has already pinned that book. 
so I can find it and easily add it to my to read board. And then when I've read the book, I created another shelf or another board called bookshelf. And I just edit the pin and move it to the bookshelf board once I've actually read it. Do you know how many books are on those boards right now? Well, on my bookshelf board, the board that's books that I've pinned and and then read, I have exactly 100 titles right now because I just finished one two days ago that I had pinned. Um, And then the TBR board I know has well over 100 titles. That one is always growing, obviously. Uh Um, A few books have lingered on there for pretty much since the board was created. But hopefully, (laughs) um, hopefully eventually I will get to Uh them. So... But it's worked out well for me so far. That sounds great. Thanks so much for telling us about it. Last, but certainly not least, I want to share an email from listener Alice, who uses the team collaboration tool Trello to track her reading. Here's what she says. There are three main elements in Trello. Boards, you can think about these as physical whiteboards or folders. Lists, these are the columns displayed in a row inside the boards. And cards, virtual post-it notes you can drag and drop around from list to list once you make any progress on your project. They can also be seen as individual tasks. For my digital reading journal, I created a dedicated board with three main lists, to be read, currently reading, and read. I created a new card for each book I want to read inside the TBR list, then I move the card to the currently reading list once I start the book, and then to the read list once I finished it. Also, I have a super simple rating system using the labels provided by Trello. Red is for bad, green is for good, yellow is for so-so, and black is for books I didn't finish. This is a super simple way to use it, but the best thing about Trello is that you can customize it however much you want. For example, you could add an additional list for the books you're planning to read for a reading challenge, add more labels for rating books, you could even write your own reviews inside the cards. I use a similar collaboration tool for my work, but it never crossed my mind to use it like this. I love Alice's ingenuity here. Readers, I hope today's episode inspired you to evaluate how you keep track of your reading life, embrace what works, and try something new if it's time to shake things up. You can see detailed pictures of other listeners' reading trackers in our show notes at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 215. If you want to tell me about your reading journal or a new tracking method not mentioned in this episode, leave a comment on that same page so we all can see it. What should I read next podcast.com slash 215. Subscribe to What Should I Read Next now if you don't already on your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss next week's episode. We will see you next week. Apropos of today's episode, if you're on Goodreads, follow me there at modernmrsdarcy.com slash Goodreads. Our newsletter subscribers are the first to know all the What Should I Read Next news and happenings. If you're not on the list, go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. That's where you can sign up for our free weekly delivery. We recently changed the format to three things I love, one thing I don't, and what I'm reading now. And we've heard such good things about that from you all so far. So thanks for that. For a free and easy way to support the work of the shows and authors you love, leave a short review on Apple Podcasts, Goodreads, or Amazon. It doesn't have to be long or complicated. A quick one or two sentence review as simple as I love this show or I love this book means a lot because it impacts the algorithms and helps more readers find that great content. Thanks to the people who make this show happen. What Should I Read Next is produced by Brenna Frederick with sound design by Kellen Pekacek. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Happy reading, everyone.